Welcome to The Whiny Entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Shelby Varghese and Danielle Moore. That's fair. Amazing. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, to our new season of The Whiny Entrepreneurs. Today, we have an interview with William, and we're very excited for him to share some of his story. William is the principal sommelier at Vines Wine Merchants in Riverbend Square in Edmonton. And he has half a century of being a sommelier under his belt, or very nearly. Very nearly, yes. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Okay, please. Okay. But so close. <laughs> he, uh, he was educated in, in France and Italy, and with, as well as training in Germany. And today we want to talk to William about his experience as a sommelier and his journey to opening his own liquor store wine business in Edmonton and what that looked like for him. Okay. So well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. It's exciting. You know, it's it certainly is an exciting endeavor to be a sommelier first of all, to get mm-hmm. into the into the into the framework of being a sommelier and all those years ago when I was like 16 years old I thought <laughs> that I was going to be a sommelier and then by 19 I was. Amazing. Uh, and then to turn around and to stay in this business over you know for close to half a century, as you say, 50, 50 years. And having gone from uh, Europe to Montreal, to Toronto, to uh, Ottawa, to here. And it's been here for, I've been here for over 30 years. And so therefore this is my home now in Edmonton. And uh, for the past 15 years, being here at Vines Wine Merchants. So now as a co-owner, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's even more adventurous than before. I bet. Mm-hmm. 15 years. That's fantastic. Well, today we want to take you all the way back to the beginning, <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah. So we want... Well, I was not here the, in the very, very beginning, okay? And so therefore right. there was another gentleman who opened actually the store in, on 4th of November, 2004. I joined in uh, October of 2006, but I've been here since. And so when he retired... My co-worker, uh, Steve Richmond, and myself, who have been working with David Gummer for the past 15 years, decided to take on and continue the same philosophy that we wanted, that we were enjoying for the past 15 years. Yeah. And what was it that made you want to buy the business and well, be the owners? Well, I mean, the fact is, though, is that, you know, over the 17 years that, the close to 17 years that the store has been, has been opened, uh, it's it's set already, and so it's not like a new entrepreneur walking into a business or creating it from scratch from the ground up and saying, "Oh my God, what do I need to know?" It's already developed, it's already set, and it's a, a much easier engine to maintain than to create from scratch, mm-hmm. and that's why. But the fact is, though, is that there still is there's still a lot of things that we have to think about, or we have not had to think about beforehand and now we have and you know one of the greatest challenges of course in the last two years is COVID yeah which is another topic entirely to talk yeah about, yeah you know. yeah well, and I'm sure that over the time of owning the business you've seen a lot of challenges if you can think back to your first year that you were owning the business so not that the business was open but that you own the business okay you and Steve, what was your biggest challenge? Well, the biggest challenge, of course, like 
in the, it's the last two years we've owned the business, right? And yeah. So guess what happened? COVID. Yeah. And so therefore that put a stop on everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, you know, in the, in the first years of business, we all have this tension of going like, will I succeed? Will I not succeed? Mm-hmm. How can I succeed? How can I do better? And so forth. So, you know, uh, you know, having talked to the, the previous owner, you know, and of course, we're very good friends and we maintain our friendship very, very closely. Yes, this area here was just booming, was just starting. And so therefore, mm-hmm. they no- he noticed and we all noticed that there was a good high income families arriving here and so forth. So, you know, so in a certain sense, it's 11 years. 2004 was 11 years after privatization. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I worked for the liquor board prior to privatization. So I saw that coming. But I also saw over the last 11 years of privatization, why David Gummer and ourselves, we would think about having a premium wine shop in this area here. Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, and of course, every business is new in the beginning. Every business has challenges. And, you know, we want to, and we want to make sure that our customers trust us. Mm-hmm. And we have to input and input and input and dedicate ourselves to the, 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 the quality of the customers. A lot of people think that it's an easy area to be in the liquor industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of competition. And, and a lot of people say, oh, you just make money. That's all it is. No, it's not like that. No. So it's, you know, as every field that every entrepreneur has to think about, have to think about location, have to think about, you know, mm-hmm. are we going to make the profits that we want to make? How are we going to make them? And ultimately, uh, yes, uh, you just, you make some decisions that sometimes are bad, and hopefully most of them are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Learn from those bad ones. Exactly. Can you, I, I don't know if we asked about this, but what year did you... So June, two years ago in June, okay. we uh, he decided to retire. Okay. And when he retired, he could have sold very easily the store and people would have picked it up. But yeah. he said, look, you guys have worked with me for, the, for 15 years out of the 17 years, basically, yeah. that the store was on. And uh, we want to make sure that, you know, you guys have that same philosophy I did. I mean, I'm proud. It's my child. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to, to, to go into good hands. Totally. And to remain in good hands. And so, therefore, why not, you guys? And so we turned around, we looked at each other, Steve and I went, oh, my God, what does this mean? What, how, how many headaches are we going to have now? <laughs> and, and then come up with, of course, the financial area. We won't go into that and all this stuff. So, you know, you turn around and talking also to the wives and saying, do you really want to? I thought you want to retire soon. Okay, <laughs> then, no, no, that's not going to happen. Not yet, not you know, yet. Exactly, absolutely. So these are all the things that, but the excitement is there, the excitement yeah. of seeing this. And unfortunately, yes, I mean, you know, as I said before, and I think every single business, our business especially, uh, has suffered from the COVID mm-hmm. uh, regulations and ups and downs and roller coaster rides that mm-hmm. everybody's got. And well, luckily, we were always considered a essential services so we were never officially shut down Mm -hmm. we had to make sure that we could not do certain things as you can see this long table has been uh, not used for 19 months where we used to do 10 to 12 tastings a month so you know these are all in open houses and so forth that we developed over the years of creating the trust with our customers they would Mm -hmm. love to have you know we would have stations tasting stations and so forth. So all these things, I mean, you know, these are all, unfortunately, when we consider that, they're all revenue 
you know, things that we can't do anymore or we have not done. And so hopefully we are able to do that on the road. So Mm -hmm. these are all the considerations that Mm -hmm. we have to to take into account. While two years ago or pre-COVID, this was a very booming industry and Mm -hmm. very booming. I mean, our personally was a very booming store. Yeah, you had a community built up, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, and, and after, you know, and people don't give their trust easily. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to build up their trust. Yeah, you know, and how to build up the trust? There's a lot of ways, and we're not going to go into that. You know, everybody has their success stories and their techniques and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believed in customer service from the very beginning and quality of of under, I mean, of preparedness in a certain sense. Be prepared, knowing your products. You know, we're all mm-hmm. certified sommeliers or near close to that. I've trained all these, all the, all my staff, because they took my classes and so forth when I taught the sommelier program. So, you know, we all have that same mentality of very, of very high pride, and I think that's that's one of the key components of a success. Mm-hmm. Well, you you definitely faced a great challenge going into the first year of business, being yes. excited and then having to change, and what kind of emotions did that spark as a new business owner? and suddenly being faced with maybe you didn't have to shut down but you had to completely change oh yes exactly absolutely i mean our our philosophy or our feel of the place was at this great height you know and so when we turned around when steve and i turned around we said yes we were able to organize everything to take over we were all excited because we're saying, like, we're going to even do better than you, David. Okay, and all this stuff, right? Okay. You know, and then this hits without warning. And, you know, this roller coaster ride just went down, dipped. And we looked at each other and we went, oh my God, are we, should we even be here? Uh, you know, and so that, that prompted a lot of, of thinking, yeah. of debate. Mm-hmm. You know, and but we all came through. I mean, especially Steve and I. I mean, you know, and even even with the help of our wives, and we have to say that honestly mm-hmm. too. You know, mm-hmm. we always like they you know, and our staff to yeah. turn around and say, well, no, we can do it. We can maintain the yeah. quality that we've had before, and maintain the the pride and the ownership that we had before, and, and the customers, because Steve and I and our staff were long-term investors in in our store. Mm-hmm. And so the customers were glad to see that we maintained that. They were glad to see that we kept going. Yeah. And they were turning around and saying, well, yes, because, you know, like if there was somebody brand new, I would not know how to communicate with them right. or how to trust them. Now, yeah. you guys, I know you like like family, and yeah. this is what it is. It's a, it's a big family community. Where yeah. people are coming and going and coming back, and you know, people call us all the time, just saying, simply, you know, get me a case of wine, get me two cases of wine, you choose. Yeah. Okay, this is my price range. I'm happy with yeah. this. You choose, and that's all it is. That's yeah. Great. So that was great, and that still is great. Yeah. Good feel. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the language you have used has brought up that sense of family, right? Like right. In- inheriting, passing things down, um, teaching, that kind of thing. So that's. That's incredible. It sounds like... Well, you know, I think that, you know, I think that also one of the greatest benefits being in this store here, you know, and you can't do much without great staff. Okay. A lot of owners forget about that. And they they turn around, they go, once you train your staff, you know, if you train your staff well, they're committed. They become committed to you. Mm 
Yeah. And a lot of people look at the cost of training versus the benefits of training. Yes. That's another topic that oh, we can yeah. go on and on. Shelby and on could and on dive into that. <laughs> I know, exactly. Absolutely. In her HR. Right. Yeah, no, correct. Exactly. And so we all believe that we wanted. So I taught, you know, I taught the International Sommelier Program, made sure that these. You know, not young kids anymore, but these kids in a certain sense, because I'm the oldest here, <laughs> you know, they turn around and they, they get the benefit of our knowledge, but also, uh, and they get their pride and they want to succeed. Yeah. They want to learn. Mm -hmm. So our tasting program, for example, when we have these agents coming in, minimum now compared to pre-COVID, is to turn around and to say, look, it, we want our staff to taste also, not only just because we're owners. We have the prerequisite of, of mm -hmm. tasting and of purchasing. No, them too, you know, and get the feedback from them. Mm -hmm. So they're involved with a lot of our kind of daily decisions. That's okay. great. You know, yeah, so, if staff yeah. can be part of the, those daily conversations. Yes, then, and the conversations yeah. are all the time continuous. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, we send out texts. They say, you know, they, they send a text, you know. And they also will turn around and they will go to other tastings that we cannot go to. For mm -hmm. example, there's, a very, there's a very dynamic community with in regards to reps or the agents that bring in, the importers that bring in. And so they set up tastings. Sometimes Steve and I can't go because we're busy. But, you know, we send out the notice that, you know, anybody out there who wants to go and keep us informed. What did you like? What did you didn't like? Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, you have three hats on. You have your sommelier hat, which is the critical hat. Yeah. Sommeliers like to tear things apart. Okay, find fault in everything. Oh, okay, and all this stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Why is this good? I mean, you know, yeah. all this stuff, the technical side of things. And then you have your personal hat on. Do I like this wine or this beverage and so forth? And then you have the retail hat. The price point. Mm. Should it come into our store? Is it worthwhile selling it to our customers, knowing the customers and so forth? So I think these are all the things that, you know, Steve and I are, and, and we both have our fortes. Yeah. Okay? I'm a sommelier, so my wine is much more his. It's the whiskey. I mean, he's a certified sommelier too. Mm. I taught him. Okay, so he's, he's one of my <laughs> students in a certain sense. But... You know, he's, uh, he's been in this business for many years, first as an agent, then as basically working with us. So he's been like close to I mean, 25 years in this business, so he knows a lot. But the whiskey for him is a pride. Mm -hmm. He's his baby. Okay, that wall, as you can see, too bad it's nobody beautiful. can see. Yeah, we'll take a <laughs> picture. But everybody, every, everybody can turn around and come in and see yes. us and yeah. so forth. They'll look at this wall and they go, okay, forget Pink Floyd, the wall. This is the real wall. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then people come in, not for five minutes, they'll stare at it and ask questions and we'll stay here for 20 minutes. Yeah. It, it's really cool when you, I mean, Danielle, you have a very different business than Danielle and I have. We each have a service-based business, but having the physical, which has also made us excited to want to talk to you about you know, having the physical products and how right. how you market them, and if you could share with us over over the period in within COVID, is what is the thing that this is a little bit off script, but what is the thing that helped you to sell? 
the most, well, the, the physical product. I mean, the challenges of COVID has been for everybody, mm-hmm. especially for the restaurant business and so forth, because we shut down and so forth. We luckily as a, and I, we knew that from the start, is that we were very lucky compared to other businesses where we were never closed down. But people were hesitant to come in. Okay, So therefore, that was one of the biggest demands that we had to, Steve and I had to think about, was to turn around and say, what are we going to do? Because people are used to coming in and talk mm-hmm. face-to-face, coming in and touching the product. Mm-hmm. And now they can't do that, you know. Yeah. Or they can, but, you know, we have to have five, ten people maximum in the store, and this and that, and mm-hmm. masks on and so forth. And a lot of people, there was no vaccination at that point, and so therefore a lot of people were extremely hesitant. Our demographics is quite different from the demographics of a regular liquor store, okay, mm-hmm. where the 18 to 25 kids mm-hmm. come in and so forth, they just pick a bottle of vodka and go to a party, whatever it is, and so forth. We have a lot of people that have sellers, love their wines, and so and so they are of a certain age, okay, mm-hmm. more of a higher income because of this area that we're lacking, so we thank, thank God for that. And so what we needed to do was to create the customer loyalty style mm-hmm. of program in a certain sense. So, and the things that you know, and I have to be, I have to give honest gratitude to the to the restaurants, where they turn around and go, "Well, we're closed, but guess what? We can do. We can do takeout and, and delivery. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, curbside pickup." Yeah. So these are all the things that came naturally from other sources into us, and we said, "We got to go on board here." Mm-hmm. You know, go on board with the special, the curbside pickup. So we had to make sure that we advertised it correctly mm-hmm. to all our customers and to the customers who did not know anything about us. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that I think those two, the curbside pickup, the take, I mean, the, the delivery service were the two big things that we were able to do successfully for our customers mm-hmm. and then they turn around and they say you know as things went up and down you know and we were able to kind of feeling a bit more comfortable about coming in the store come on in no problem whatsoever feel free it's like today you know like right now at this moment with the vaccine program and so forth and stuff still people are a bit hesitant mm-hmm. so we need the next week i'm sending out an email to our six thousand customers and our on our database that were saying, you know what? Feel free to come in because guess what? We're all fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. All our staff is fully vaccinated. We're proud of that. Yeah. And they are, I mean, in this area here, you know, there's close to 90% of fully vaccinated people. Yeah. And so we're very, we're very pleased, but also very, you know, have a high level of gratitude towards them to sit around and say, yes, you know, you are fully, so you can come on in, but we're also fully vaccinated, so you don't have to mm-hmm. worry about us. Yeah. While there's a lot of restaurateurs that now they're demanding proof of vaccination, but the, the own staff is not right. needing to vaccinate themselves. And yeah. you're going like, you know, so there's a hesitancy. There's there's dual or double standards that are created. There's confusion that's created. So we want to make sure that the confusion is not there mm-hmm. from our, our behalf. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You know, and Danielle and I had the opportunity to experience one of your virtual wine tastings yes. back in, I think it was April or May. Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a really cool experience. Yes. Uh, of course, we'd rather be at this 
gorgeous table mm-hmm. and with other people, right. which we will one day when you can do that again, we'll be here. But it was a really cool experience to go virtual and to see to see other people have the opportunity to make a meal ourselves mm-hmm. and learn from you as well. I will, I, I can't speak for you, Danielle, but I will attest that your knowledge was incredible and it was so cool to hear the story. It was the Chianti, yes. uh, the Italian, which is, I, I was in the Chianti area at one point in my life. And so it was, yeah, it was a really cool. Well, you know, as, experience. as one of my mentors, uh, on a younger stage when I was studying to become a sommelier said that, you know, you can learn from books as much as you want, and especially today. I mean, you know, when I started working, there was no emails, there was no internet, there was nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Today, you know, there's all that instant knowledge at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes, whatever knowledge you gain, you know, you can learn from the books and so forth, but there's something more than learning from the books. Mm-hmm. And what we are, we're storytellers. Yeah. Okay? Exactly. And so just like you, you know, yeah. in your profession of writing and so forth and stuff, you're a storyteller. Yeah. So knowing how to tell the story allows the people to yeah. remember when they were in the county area yeah. or they want to be in the county area. And so, you know, that that brings out a lot of good feeling about, you know, and wine is is a natural thing to feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's the thing about it. It's not not something that you turn around and dredge and, and, you know, and have negative thoughts of nothing at all. I mean, you know, alcohol in general can can certainly, uh, you know, have different opinions and then so forth. But especially with wine, wine has always been inclusive, uh, as, as as you both know. While I'm Canadian born, I lived in Europe and growing up in Europe, wine is always something on the table. Yes. It's food related beverage. Yeah. And so therefore you turn around and you say, yes, you don't think about wine without food. You don't think about food without wine. You know, they go together. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's natural for when the people come in, mm-hmm. it's like our virtual tasting of the county that we do. I offer two uh, uh, recipes, mm-hmm. you know, I have food pairing suggestions with recipes because I want them to cook. I want them to feel why, why the yeah. the wine goes better with food. And, you know, that was that was incredible. Just you to know. have that pairing that was so specific. Yeah, and because, Shelby did a wonderful job with your recipe. I won't take credit <laughs> at all, but it was really. No, cool I know, to and see it brings a new dimension to the whole thing. It's yes. like the store with us in it. Yeah. We're the stories. Yeah. We bring the stories alive to our customers and they and they appreciate that. And they know mm-hmm. and I think that there's there's too many liquor stores overall that lack that. Yeah. You know, that don't have that, you know, that connection with you know and understanding of how to talk to people. Yeah. And they know lacking the knowledge too. It's you know, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. the training aspect of it and inputting yeah. all the time. You know, you create that training and you're prepared because you got to be prepared for the weirdest questions. <laughs> okay, the, what the, is your weirdest question? That well, you, you know, I had a example. lady, okay, the weirdest, one of the weirdest, because I mean, you know, 50 years of this, I mean, you know, there's a lot of weird questions that come out. But recently, in the last, I would say maybe two years ago, one of the craziest questions was a lady who called me up and said, I need gluten-free wine. And I turned around and I, you know, so on the phone, I turn around and I go, well, ma'am, I'm sorry, but, you know, I just like to say that wine is gluten-free. No, 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 there is gluten in wine. I heard this and I turn around and, oh. and of course, you know, you're taught never to 
you know, annoy a customer, okay? <laughs> We're in the business of selling, and so therefore you turn around and you go, okay, what? You know, so I go, well, no, no, Mammy, no, 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 I mean, she was insistent and upon insistent upon insistent. So I turned around and I said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll investigate and I'll get back to you. You know, because um, she's going, I'm celiac and so forth and stuff. I need to make sure that I don't have any sort of gluten in my beverage. And I'm going, okay, well, you know, you certainly don't want to have in wheat. I mean, you know, in, in beer or in whiskey or in whatever it is, in spirits and so forth. But wine, it's not made with, with yeah. wheat. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, it took me three days to find out. I, I, you know, and thank God we're in the internet time frame because I was able to contact some of my professors of Europe and so forth and stuff, okay, finding out whether, you know, and there I know and then they turned around and they talked about some microbiologists and and their friends and so forth and stuff. So this went around a bit, you know. But anyways, long story short, yes, there may be gluten in wine. Oh. Okay. So in the barrels they may use wheat glue to bind the staves together to form the barrel. Oh, who would have thought of that? Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Who would have thought of that? And not everyone does it, but you know, occasionally there will be one or two uh, coopers that will use that. That is mm. an ingredient that can be used to, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I then then I turn around and going, okay, well, she's right. There may be gluten, there may be wheat in, or as from a glue perspective. Mm-hmm. But then I had to find out. I had to go to an allergist to find out what is the PPMs, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. of wheat, of wheat in those, you know, and how how sensitive are people. Mm-hmm. So he turned around and he said, he turned around and he said, look, okay, the, and he gave me a figure which was basically, he goes, at this level here of PPMs, they are this, the worst celiacs possible. So if anything is lower than that, he got no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So then I went back and found out how much, you know, and all this stuff. So it took me over a good 10 days to find out. She wow. thought I never would call back and so forth, and I did. So she was impressed. Oh, there yeah. you go. You did but, your research. And I did my research, and I turned around and I said, this is what I found. And so I told you, I told you, and all this stuff. <laughs> but she was very, very thankful because she goes, now I know that while they may be using it's... The yeah. PPM's level is so low that I don't have to worry about that. I can drink my wine with pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. So, you know, so these are the things that you have to turn around and say, oh, my God, I got still got to research. After 50 years, you still don't know everything. You know, you still have to, you know. So, you know, they push you all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a great when we think about our, our listeners and our audience who will be listening to this. I think that's a perfect example of customer care. Yes. Right. And, and taking the care instead of just writing hurrah. Yes. You investigate it and you learn the knowledge for yourself. Yes. Now we it's have a benefit. All of this knowledge. You know, it's a benefit to us uh, ultimately because you know that if one person is asking, how many other people are thinking about mm-hmm. it yeah. and afraid to ask, you know? Because, you know, somebody is that, you know, when people come in, now they know us after 17 years and so forth, but we still get new people coming in the store, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And they walk in and they think, they look at this and they go, uh-oh, you have to have knowledge for that. And they might be snobby, <laughs> you know, arrogance, you know, yeah. uh, because I don't have the knowledge and they'll look at me down and I go like, what do you know? You know, <laughs> and you have to make sure that, you know, you don't yeah. 
you don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. We have people coming in in straight jeans all the time yeah. that are multimillionaires. And, you know, if we never knew that, mm -hmm. you never know. Mm -hmm. You know, they yeah. walk in, they'll buy a $20,000 bottle of scotch. Wow. And you're going, where did that come from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So, yes, yeah, so you always have to be on alert in a certain sense. And, mm -hmm. and the care, as you said, you know, I call it customer service. Now we call it customer care. Fine, very good. No problem whatsoever. You know, but the, the service level, because we're all in the service component. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a tangible product that we sell, but we mm -hmm. have to have that service that comes with it. Yeah. You know, that concern for the customer, the care for the customer, understanding it. And also know, know your knowledge of the product themselves. Because the more knowledgeable you are, the better you can respond to your customers' needs. Yeah, absolutely. And then I can anticipate customers' needs, which yeah. is even better. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, when you come in and you say, look, you know, well, I'm having dinner tonight. and Or I'm preparing a very fancy dinner for yeah. you know, an important client. Yeah. And I want mm -hmm. to blow them out of the water. Yeah. So here's the menu. Yeah. And if you don't know your products or you don't even, you're not even kind of like a semi-chef, yeah. and sommeliers need to be that. They need to know their foods and so forth and stuff, you know, their spices and their, you know. Automatically you turn around and you go, oh my God, you know, how am I going to respond to that? Mm -hmm. you turn around and go, yes, challenge me. Yeah. Right. Yes, please, yes. Oh. And I love that. You can still be challenged, yes. you know, 50 yes. years into being a small AA and you can still be challenged. You can still have to go and find the answers to questions and that you're willing to do that because when you start, when you first start, there's that sense of, you know, that imposter syndrome Yes. and feeling like, oh, well, I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about. It's like, you can be this far down the road and still not know everything, you know, no, no, so no, that's correct. okay yes. to not go in with Every single And I think that's that even the entrepreneurs themselves need to think the same way as as dealing with the customers. They need to be prepared. They need to have a business mm -hmm. plan. They need to have, you know, and these are all the things that everyone, I wouldn't say everyone, a lot of people don't take for granted mm -hmm. of thinking of, you know, their, their friends tell them, oh, you should get into this business and so forth <laughs> and stuff. The agency business, the import business, mm -hmm. is another one that is absolutely, totally confusing. Because you've been to Chianti, you've been to see a winery, you get excited about their wines, and you say, well, let me, let me import it. <laughs> Without really doing all your study of finding out, like, what does it really mean to be an agent, an import agent, and feeling all the dollars and cents, but not, not only dollars and cents, but also the commitment. It's not a hobby anymore you know it's it's a business <laughs> and you know to understand that and to see the implications of it down the road like for example now all the supply problems oh, that yeah. everyone is now having mm -hmm. forget only our agents they come to us and they say yes uh, your wine is supposed to be here uh you know uh, in march and we're just getting it now yeah. <laughs> excuse me but if it's out of stock for more than a month off the shelf guess what it's being replaced yeah i can't wait yeah. And now I have to make decisions too. And yeah. so these are all the things that, you know, that a lot of people don't take in consideration when they, because of the excitement. Yeah. You know, knowing, yeah. knowing what it means. David turned around and he was a hospitality guy. He was a restaurateur. Had, uh, you know, a few, uh, a few, I mean, very good success for different restaurants. And 
And then he decided to say, look it, I'm reaching a certain age that I don't really want to do 16-hour days mm -hmm. anymore. And, you know, front of the house and back of the house and so forth. Yeah. So my second my second love, or actually my first love, is wine. So I want to go and open up a wine shop, a nice wine shop. Yeah. Well, it's a liquor store. Yeah. But what he did was he turned around and go, before doing that, I need to learn it. So he went... And he went to, uh, to work in a good little wine shop for a year and a half to learn the trade before he tapped into here. Wow. And so that's the commitment yeah. that you want to make sure. And that's what encouraged, I think, Steve and I to work with him yeah. and to stay with him that long. Yeah. And when he retired, it was a natural evolution of just taking over. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Now... That that is a great segue into the, the wine oh, that no. you are sharing with us. So a new challenge that we we gave William is over the next, including this episode, the next six episodes, we're pairing wines with the episodes, and William yes. is helping us with that. And the first wine that you are pairing with this. Well, you, you gave me you gave me this this wonderful little thing of turning around and saying that. So you want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is the first wine you fell in love with or the first bottle you sold, something that goes with the story? Mm -hmm. Exciting but scary. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> and so when, the, when you first open up, and I'm, I'm not talking about the last two years, I'm talking about the very, big, very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. When you open up the store and you turn around and you're working overtime, of course, you're putting all these hours in and so forth, and you're turning around and going like, Oh my God! I hit a thousand dollars today. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know? And then you know, then uh, then you turn around and you say, "Well, yeah, yeah, it's the fifteen dollar bottle of wine or the twenty dollar bottle of wine." And all of a sudden, you sell the hundred dollar bottle of wine. And yeah. Going, oh my God! Isn't that great? So what I wanted to pro uh, to show you yeah. is this Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're not cracking it open, unfortunately, and so forth. So, but this Bordeaux is called Chateau Giscourt. It's from the Margot area of a Bordeaux. It's a third growth. It's a 2000 vintage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's something that we may have already on the shelf on the first day of opening. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true, but it's something that we would have had opportunity of having because 2000, we opened 2004, it would have been on the market and so forth a possibility. But this would have been around the 75 to $100 a bottle. So just to imagine being able to talk about it, to sell it to a customer on your first maybe day or your first week or your first month of opening is something that is shows the determination of, of the people working here, mm -hmm. but also shows the excitement of our customers and saying, we made a good decision. This is the area. This is the zone. This is the customers that we want yeah. because we get excited about and so there, you know, that is, I think, a lot of times when you turn around and you debate the retail hat on, whether you should have this product in our, on our shelves, how to. And even if you say, well, I, I know I'm going to, it's going to challenge, but I, I'm going to dare myself to bring it in. You know, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm hoping it's going to work, you know. And so the opportunity of buying five cases instead of a case at a week. Of turning around buying 10 cases of the same wine and going, oh my God, that's 3,000 bucks. You know, like, yeah. whoa, I need to make money to sell this and so forth. But all that 
determines the fact that you turn around and you always question yourself and you and you and you prompt yourself to do better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So I think that those challenges are always great to have. Those targets that are always great to have. I mean, you know, every morning it's fifty close to fifty years. Every morning I wake up and I'm still happy I'm in this business. That's, that's awesome. Okay, and that's the thing about it. And there's, you know, and there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are not. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't, they can't wait till they retire. I don't know me. It's, it's every morning. That's, you know. And my wife always said, "You still love it?" Oh yes. Okay. I don't know what I would do if I would had to retire and away from this business. You know, unfortunately, I don't have the millions to open up a winery. Okay. Shucks. Oh, darn. darn. You'll just sell it. Exactly. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. I I think that that's a, that's a beautiful way to end is having that excitement. And unfortunately, you can't see it on William's face, but it's, Mm -hmm. we can see it. We can see the joy that you have around this business, around the wine, around the stories. And I think that that's such a it's a life lesson. It's not mm-hmm. just an entrepreneur lesson. It's a life lesson is to do things that, that give you that joy and that, that happiness. And then when you see it reflected in the customers, mm-hmm. yes. you know, and I think that's very important too. And in your staff too. I mean, I don't, I cannot not say enough about having good quality staff, yeah. you know, and get the same excitement that you feel portrayed to them and, and, and they carry the ball, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, with you and they'll turn around and they know, and they challenge me too. Yeah. Constantly, you know, and That's they good. all turn around. Like I used to have some very good friends, David to be part of, but some other friends who are ex-students of mine. And they, uh, pre-COVID, we would have four or five dinners at my house, a sommelier dinner and so forth, where we would, I would always encourage two wines per course. So we would have a very, my wife's a semi-chef, so therefore, you know, she knows how to cook well, better, certainly better than I did, by, by far. Mm-hmm. But I would choose the wine, she would choose the meals, I mean the dishes, and we would pair. But I would challenge my guests with one wine, and I would give them one you know, one dish and say, you bring the wine. I will choose something for my cellar, but you bring something from yours. Ah. Okay. And these are, I mean, majority of them are all my ex-students. And then now, now they're beating me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're turning around and they're choosing wines better than me. Yeah. And so therefore I'm going, there's the other challenge, you know, take it back, please. I want it back. Okay. <laughs> so this is all the, the, the greatness of this, this yeah. industry that we're in. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's never boring. It's never, uh, and you make it not boring. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. and I'm hoping that, you know, the sense of uh, my voice turns around to people too and say, yeah. yes, he's having fun. I am. <laughs> we can tell you're having good, fun. Good. That's amazing. That's so good. incredible that you've been at this for so long and it's still just a joy. such a joy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's incredible. Makes me want to keep going. All right. Very me too. good. Okay. Well, you're all welcome. Everyone's welcome to come and visit the store. Yes. Please come in to Vines Wine Merchants. It's in Riverbend in Edmonton. We'll put a link in our show yeah. notes. Okay. So make good. sure that you do uh, go check that out. Also, download the wine list so you can you can see all the wines that are all available at Vines. And we encourage you to come here mm-hmm. and order them as well. And William, I just want to 
to say thank you so much oh, for taking the time uh, and taking the time to share the wine. We'll get a good picture of it and, and share it along when we do post this episode. Yeah. And is there anything else? No, I just want to say what a great story you have here. And, you know, talking about the difference between this and a liquor store and just how many different bottles of wine. I've never seen most of these bottles of wine before. So I'm like... Uh, a kid in a candy, candy shop. Store, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that one, and I want that one. So, yeah, thank and you. Then, and then, and then, and the nice thing about it is that we know them all personally. Yeah. Yes, and that's okay. exactly, and, and it's not that's just a mystery. What, exactly, yeah. but it's not just like walking into a liquor store and say, "Can you tell me about the?" Oh, I don't drink wine. Yeah, eighteen-year-old exactly. kid kind of thing. You know, <laughs> no, we know it all. I mean, we know all our wines. We taste them. There's a lot of them out there that uh, that don't fit. Just because mm-hmm. either we don't like them, and yeah. uh, you know, and uh, awesome. or else it doesn't fit from a retail, uh, yeah. from a elegant perspective. It's yeah. such a mm-hmm. curated selection that you have mm-hmm. here, which is good. fantastic. Good. So good. I, I loved hanging out here, and I'm I will definitely be back. Thank well, you. Well, good, good, good. Thank You're you very sure. welcome to be back, and yeah. all the listeners. Yeah. Very welcome, absolutely. The more, the merrier. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the more, the more people are smiling, the more we smile. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even if we have a mask on. Yeah, yes. exactly. You can smile, can smile through the eyes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay, well, right. thanks, William. Thank you so You're welcome. All the best to you both. And the show. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for stopping by. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at whinyentrepreneurs.com. 